You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. People are happy if they have four things. A few close friends, people you know that know you, people that actually know you beyond the self that you project to the world on your Twitter or Instagram. You're happy, they're happy, they're happy, you're happy, you're sad, they're sad, vice versa. Um, people need close friends. People are happy if they have a nuclear family, a mom, a dad, brothers, not just biologically, but kin, like extended family, people that we do life together. People are happy if they have meaningful work. It, it, it can be a high-paying job or, or not a high-paying job. It can be a glamorous career or not. Uh, generally, if people feel that they go to work and they make a contribution that day, they feel good about life. People are happy if they have a theology or philosophy to sort of make sense not only of life, but more importantly, of death and suffering. Basically, friends, family, vocation, and religion. But as we shift to this digital world, we are discovering that the average American in just a few years, not I'm not talking decades, just a few years has gone from 3.2 friends to 1.8 friendships across the country. It's like been cut in half. Statistics say that about 40% of American adults have zero to one person that they feel that they can confide in. See, we become this brand of individualism or autonomy, and it's in direct tension to all four of the factors for a happy life, close friends, family, work, and religion all require us to surrender our autonomy to someone or something beyond ourselves. C.S. Lewis once said, you can have the prison of the self or come to give your life away in love to another. You can have autonomy or you can have a loving relationship, but it's really hard. I would say almost impossible to have both. Then we have tribalism caused by this digital mix with our brokenness of the human condition. If Instagram and social media, Facebook is a kind of pseudo-community, then tribalism is a kind of anti-community. Tribalism isn't based not on mutual love, but on mutual hate. Not on what you are for, but what you are against. But if you are lonely and sad and don't really know who you are and you you don't have identity in Jesus, then you may find anti-community is better than no community at all. As long as there have been humans, there have been tribes at war, and tribes are not a new thing. And and I have to say, I don't think all tribes are bad, but tribalism caused by this evil duo of individualism in our culture with this endless rabbit hole of the digital age for a growing number of people as their primary community can feel hopeless. But there is hope. There is hope. We can find an honest and beautiful picture of the church that is the community following Jesus in Romans 12. It's this vision of how we do life together. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, calling us family right away, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, your whole self, not just your mind, not your buffet belief system or your rock-solid doctrine, your bodies, your sexuality, your soul, your spirit, all that you are offered to God 
as a living sacrifice, it says. Just surrender everything. Holy, you are set apart, dedicated to God. Pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't live like everybody else, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God access to the way you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. This is the center point of God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, it says. We are doing the will of God together, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's saying that we're family. Verse three, for by grace given me, it is all grace. It's all a gift. I say to every one of you, no exceptions to the rule here. Everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith. God has distributed to each of you. Humility is the prerequisite for the community. For just as each of us has one body with many members, I have an arm, I have a leg, I have fingers, all of that. All these members do not all have the same function. My eye does one thing, my elbow does another, my foot does something completely different. So in Christ, and we're all in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to the other. Paul is saying we are as intimate as a body. We are a body and each of us has a part to play. We don't belong to ourselves, right? That's just that just takes the radical individualism right out. My fingers kind of do their own thing, but not really, because if I cut them off from my body, they're dead without my body. You can say the same about every single part, right? All of it is me, right? In the same way, we are a body, and none of us are on our own, and all of us have a part to play. That's what he's getting to. Verse six, we have different gifts meaning God has wired gifts into our body, all sorts of neat things that are unique to us, and they are for others. According to the grace given to each of us, it's all a gift. If your gift is prophesying, for example, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is then serve, if it is to teach, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I don't think that's an exhausted list. So he's saying we are family and we are a body. Then the rest of the chapter is telling us how we actually practically can do life together. It says this in verse nine, love must be sincere. It has to come from the heart. You can't fake it. We have to love each other from the heart. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Jesus is good. His moral vision of right and wrong is the center of Christian community. Be devoted to one another in love, not just devoted to God, but also devoted to one another. Have you ever tried to say to someone, hey, I'm devoted to you. Honor one another above yourselves. To honor someone, to honor someone uh, to recognize their special, unique contribution to the church and to your life. Appreciate them, thank them. Can you imagine that kind of community if we were to actually uh, be a community that actually started to honor one another above ourselves? It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor 
That's serving the Lord, encouraging people to serve. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Experience joy, suffering together, share conviction, and then return to Jesus to make all things new. Pray together, persevere together. Chapter, uh, verse 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. You have extra, whether it's a lot or it's a little, share with those who don't have enough. Become a community of, of justice and equality. Practice hospitality. Open your home. Cook something or order pizza. Get people around your table. Let your home become your table. Let your home become a place of, of healing, reconciliation, diversity, justice, equality, love. Be a home of listening. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Don't contribute to hate, but give back in kind. Follow Jesus' example. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We talked about this two weeks ago. Get involved in the mess. Experience what your family, your people are experiencing. Step into people even when it's inconvenient and it's not fun. Celebrate, but let people show up the way they want to show up without censorship. We should be a place where we celebrate one another's successes just as quickly as we grieve one another's failures and wounds. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Tension happens, but we have to do the work to live at peace with each other with a spirit of gentleness and humility. Do not be proud, which is most likely the cause of the tension and conflict, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't go and try to cut that guy off who just cut you off in the traffic jam. Don't do that. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Don't make your moral or social decisions by yourself. Process life together. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, reconcile is a, reconciliation is a two-way street. Live at peace with everyone. Be quick to apologize, to have hard conversations, to patch up relationships. Verse 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let God deal with the wrath. One less thing you have to worry about. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, it says, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, meaning you will outdo your enemy with love. 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Kind of summarizes the whole thing. There are three sort of nuggets I want you to take away. There's so much in Romans 12. And if you get time this week, like go back, reread that, spend the week on it. Um, but there's three things I sort of want to point out. And the first one is forgive each other for not being God. Henry Nouwen said, the first command for community is to forgive each other for not being God. No church, no community, no relationship, no friendship, no spouse, no family of origin, no parents, no children, no pastor, no coworker can live up to all of your expectations. You can't live up to your own expectations, and neither can I. 
we are human. We all carry sin around. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, he said this, the sooner this stock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. A community which cannot bear and cannot survive such a crisis, which insists upon keeping its illusion when it should be shattered, permanently loses in that moment the promise of Christian community. Sooner or later, it will collapse. Every human wish, dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to the genuine community and must be banished. If genuine community is to survive, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. It's easy to love the dream of community because it's not a real thing. It's a hypothetical. It's a dream. It's easy to love the idea of community, the idea of church relationship, the idea of marriage, the idea of friendship. It's a lot harder to love Bill with bad breath and, or Sam who never stops talking about her kids. But as soon as you create a pride position, I'm good, church is bad. My behavior is good, that behavior is bad. You immediately create a shame position for yourself because what happens when you don't live up to your own expectations, when you aren't good, none of us are good all the time. We need to forgive ourselves and others for not being God. The second thing I want us to take away is to listen in love. Listen is a form of love. Listening is a form of love. Psychologists tell us that when people feel a sense of another person that they're listening to them and displaying compassionate attention, people experience love and healing. They also tell us that, that trauma can be defined as not what happens when people experience suffering, but more like what happens when, because we all experience suffering, but trauma can be defined as what happens when we experience suffering alone. We don't have anyone to hold the pain. There's a writer, Robert Stoller Rowe, he said this, he said, trauma is when severe emotional pain cannot find a relational home in which it can be held. Wow. We need to be a functional home for one another. Now, don't get this twisted. I'm not saying you should be a relational home from the church. I'm saying we should be a relational home for each other. The responsibility is on every single one of us who claim to follow Jesus to hold that pain for each other. The third thing I want us to think about and take away this week is the word stay. Just whatever happens, stay. Intimacy, intimacy only resides in the safety of community. That's why uh, uh, Tinder and hookup culture doesn't work. Divorce culture is tearing people apart. Performance-based, it's shameful, it's embarrassing. People get deeply wounded. We only feel safe with people who know that will be faithful to us, that will stay with us, that will be near us no matter what. Now, there are times to break off a relationship because it's toxic and it's unsafe, and that goes without saying. Not all friendships and relationships are designed to last until you die, and that's okay. But as a general rule, we stay. 
or at least we are really slow to go. There are good times when we can't wait to get together, and then there are those times when you're just kind of annoyed. There are times for really hard conversations. There are times for awkward conversations, but there's also moments of laughter. There's moments of joy. But we stay because we're in Christ with community for the city. So how do we put this into practice? Well, we start by being family, and we start by allowing people into community. We share a meal with someone. We go for a walk with someone. I wonder, who's, who's within six feet of you right now? Who, who's in your six-foot circle? Um, and we share community. We put down our hyper-individualism and our tribalism, and we be in Christ with community for the city. And one of the ways that we actually can do this practically here at Vineyard Milwaukee is join a Vineyard Milwaukee circle. We've got these circles that have started. If you've listened to it all over the last few weeks, you're probably like, oh, he's going to talk about circles again. But just real briefly, a circle is a form of community of three to four people that are gathering together, and they're focusing on some things, but they're forming community. They're becoming a family. They're having community, and, and they're, they're blessing each other. They're praying for one another. They're, they're, they're holding each other's pain. Some of those community groups that we call circles have started. And if you're interested in doing uh, or being part of a circle, I just urge you to get in touch with Rebecca. You can email her at becca.vmke.com. We also, if you want to find out more, the first Tuesday of every month, we do a Zoom circle. So you get a little bit more information about what a circle is all about and how you can step in. I want to encourage you this week to take those three little nuggets and put them into practice. Forgive each other for not being God. Listen in love and stay. Go be the church.